إن الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور أنفسنا ومن سيئات أعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وأشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله أما بعد So we're in the final section of the chapter of menstruation on a hadith of Abu Sa'id al-Khudri radiyallahu anhu qal qala Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam alaysa idha haadatil mar'atu lam tusalli wa lam tasum intafakun alayhi fi hadithin tawil in this hadith of Abu Sa'id al-Khudri radiyallahu anhu he says that the messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said that is it not the case that a woman who is upon the period does not pray and does not fast? A woman who is on the period does not pray and does not fast. And this hadith is muttafaqun alayhi, a small section of a much lengthier hadith. هذا الحديث له أصل وهو أن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم وصف النساء بأنهن ناقصات وعقل ودين فقال امرأة ولما يا رسول الله فبين صلى الله عليه وسلم نقصان عقلهن بأن شهادة المرأة تعدل نصف شهادة الرجل فهذا من نقصان عقلها وبين نقصان دينهن في أن المرأة تجلس شطر عمرها لا تسوم ولا تصلي وذلك في فترة الحيض والنفاس قال صلى الله عليه وسلم أليس إذا حاضت المرأة لم تصلي ولم تسوم So this section of the hadith where the Prophet said is it not the case that a woman who is on the period does not pray and does not fast? That is a section of a lengthier hadith where the Prophet described the women as being deficient in their uh, intellects and their religion. So a woman said, And why is that, O Messenger of Allah? Why is that, O Messenger of Allah? Why is it that the case that there is this deficiency within the women? So then the Prophet ﷺ explained that with regards to the intellect in the religion of Allah, that which Allah revealed upon us, then we know that the witness or the testification of a woman is equal to half of that of a man. The testification of a woman is equal to half of that of a man. So that would indicate a deficiency from that aspect. And that is the religion of Allah. And no woman should have any confusion or any difficulty in accepting and understanding and complying to that which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has revealed upon us in the Qur'an and the Sunnah. And then after that, the Prophet ﷺ explained the deficiency with regards to the religion of the woman. And that is when the Prophet ﷺ explained that is it not the case that a woman spends half her lifetime not praying and not fasting, meaning the days when she's on her period and also the time after birth. When a woman gives birth, then there is a certain amount of time she will not be praying or fasting. And similarly, when the woman is on the period every month for that week or more, then she is not praying and she is not fasting. 
So that is a deficiency from that angle. And that's why the scholars, they say, that maybe a woman, her iman may decrease in these time periods, when she is not praying and she is not fasting. But that doesn't necessitate and it doesn't mean that the woman's iman has gone down because she is sinning. Often the people, their iman will decrease because of sins. But this is an example of when the iman of a woman may decrease because she is not able to fast and she is not able to pray as per the commandment upon the woman in that situation. But her iman may decrease because of that. So in that instance, her iman may decrease, but it's not because she's committing any sin. She's actually being obedient to Allah by not praying and not fasting. So that is an example that the Prophet ﷺ gave in the hadith, and that's why the Prophet ﷺ said, is it not the case that when a woman is on the period, she can't pray and she can't fast? And that is the indication of the deficiency. فَقَوْلُهُ أَلَيْسَ is it not the case? هذا استفهام تقريري منه صلى الله عليه وسلم في أن المرأة في وقت حيضها تدع الصلاة وتدع الصيام وهذا نقص في الدين ولكنها لا تأخذ عليها عليه. So the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم when he said, is it not the case that a woman cannot fast and cannot pray when she's on the period? That isn't a question. It's a rhetorical question to indicate the acknowledgement of that affair. So the Prophet ﷺ is acknowledging and affirming that this is the reality. A woman is not allowed to pray and fast when she's on the period. So it's a question that isn't actually a question for the sake of needing an answer. It's a question to acknowledge and to affirm this situation. That a woman cannot pray and cannot fast when she's on the period. And that is the deficiency that is spoken about. However, as Shaykh Fawzan makes clear, lest there is any confusion, that a woman is not held accountable for that. The woman is not held accountable and she is not a sinner for that. Because this is not a choice, it's not like the woman is stopping praying from her own choice, or she is stopping fasting from her own choice. لأنه ليس باختيارها ولكنها مع ذلك أنقص من الرجل الذي يصلي دائما ويصوم دائما ولا يدعو الصلاة ولا يدعو الصيام The woman does that because it's the commandment of Allah upon her However, she is clearly deficient with regards to the male who can continuously pray all the time and can continuously fast all the time he doesn't have to have periods where because of these circumstances of giving birth or having the period, he has to stop. So you see that there's a difference. There is that difference which exists. But the woman is not a sinner, neither is she held accountable. Rather, this is obedience from her to stop the prayer and to stop the fast in that time. وَقَدْ أَوْرَدَ الْمُؤَلِّفُ رَحِمَهُ اللَّهُ هَذَا الْحَدِيثُ وَلَا حَدِيثِ الَّتِي بَعْدَهُ هُنَا فِي بَابِ الْحَيْضِ لبيان أحكام الحائض والنفساء وفي هذا الحديث ذكر حكمين. So Sheikh Fawzan says that the author has mentioned these ahadith now to explain some of these rulings that are linked to the woman who is on the period and also the woman who has given birth. Then she is in that time of the postnatal bleeding. What are some of the rulings linked to that? These are the ahadith that the author has mentioned to clarify these rulings, even though we've mentioned them in passing before. 
This first hadith mentions two rulings very clearly. أَلَيْسَ إِذَا حَاضَتِ الْمَرْأَةُ لَمْ تُصَلِّ وَلَمْ تَسُمْ Is it not the case that a woman when she's on the period does not pray and does not fast? So the two clear rulings that we take from that are that a woman who is upon her period or upon the postnatal bleeding أَنَّهَا تَدَعُ الصَّلَاةِ وَقْتَ الْحَيْضَ that a woman must stop the prayer during the time of the period. And it is not permissible for her to pray. Due to the prohibition upon her from doing so. The second ruling is what? The first ruling she must stop the prayer. The second ruling that she must stop the fasting. الحكم الثاني أنها تدع الصيام ولا يجوز لها أن تسوم لنهيها عن ذلك أيضا She must also not fast and she is not permitted to fast A woman shouldn't think that when I'm on the period or on the postnatal bleeding I have a choice If I want to carry on fasting I can If I want to carry on praying I can But you don't have to That's not correct A woman is not allowed to pray She's not allowed to fast in that time It's not like it's a choice that you're allowed to leave it if you want, but you can carry on if you want. That's incorrect if any woman thinks that. The correct position and understanding is that a woman is not allowed to pray. She's not allowed to fast when she's on the period or in the postnatal bleeding. So the prayer is not obligatory upon a woman who is on the period or on the postnatal bleeding. Neither during that time nor afterwards. Meaning she doesn't have to make it up. A woman who misses those prayers whilst on the period or in the postnatal building doesn't have to make those prayers up afterwards. She misses them and that's it. As for the fasting, as for the fasting, then when a woman is on the period or she's on the postnatal building, then she doesn't have to fast. In fact, she is not allowed to fast. But then afterwards, she doesn't make it uh, she makes it up rather. She makes it up. Afterwards, it is upon her to make the fasting up that she missed. This is the sunnah of the Prophet. وَالْحِكْمَةُ فِي ذَلِكَ وَاللَّهُ أَعْلَمُ And the wisdom behind that, Allahu A'lam, Allah knows best, but the wisdom behind that, the wisdom behind women not being allowed to pray and then not having to make the prayers up at all, but not having to fast, however having to make the fasts up afterwards. So there's a difference. The women miss the prayer and they don't have to make it up. They miss the fast, but they do have to make that up. If they miss the fasting due to period or due to postnatal bleeding. And the wisdom behind that the Shaykh says Allah knows best is because It's because the prayer <coughs> it is something repetitive five times in the day and night. Five prayers every day. So if it was the case that a woman was commanded to have to make that up then that would become difficult upon her. Five prayers in the day. Maybe that postnatal bleeding is for a month, 30 days. 
30 times 5? How much? 150? Sure. So 150. That's a lot to have to make up all those prayers. Even in the period. Maybe the period is 8 days long. 8 days are 5 prayers. 40? Yeah. Definitely. So 40 prayers. So that's a lot. That's what the Shaykh says. If a woman was told and commanded to have to make up the prayer, then it would end up being a lot and it would be difficult. That's like some of the people of innovation or people of misguidance. Some of those people who have not understood the Quran and Sunnah properly, they have been misled by some of these so-called scholars and in reality they are not. They believe that when you go to Umrah or when you go to Hajj, that when you go to Medina, you need to go there and you need to stay at least how many days? Not 40 days, 8 days. To be able to pray, how many prayers? 40 prayers. They say you have to pray 40 prayers in Medina. So you've got to stay at least 8 days in Medina to be able to pray 40 days. So according to them, you have to make sure that you book a package that takes you to Medina, make sure for 8 days at least. If you leave on 7 days, Allah musta'an. You haven't got your 40 prayers then. And this is misguidance and their misunderstanding and it's not proven in any narration. So here, the point being that if a woman had to make up the prayers, it would be a lot. She would end up having to make a lot of prayers up and that would be difficult. So the shaykh says, Allahu A'lam, Allah knows best, but maybe, that, maybe that's the wisdom. Maybe that's the wisdom because it would be too difficult and hardship upon the woman to have to make up all those prayers from the menstruation, from the postnatal bleeding. So she's not commanded to have to make them up. And that is in opposition to fasting. Fasting only occurs once in the year. If she misses some days from that fasting, she can make them up. Just like somebody else who was ill is better afterwards, he makes them up. So a woman who misses some days of the fasting, she can make them up. Because that is only one month of the year, the obligation of Ramadan. And then she has 11 months after that to be able to make those days up. So that isn't a difficulty in hardship. فَالدِّينُ مِنْ مَقَاصِدِهِ رَفْعِ الْحَرَجِ وَدَفْعِ الْمَشَقَّةِ And that's what the Shaykh says from one of the objectives of this religion, one of the points of this religion is to remove hardship. And in doing this, the hardship is removed. The woman doesn't have to make up the prayers, but she makes up the fasts. And she has much time to be able to make up those fasts. وَلِهَذَا لَمَّا سَأَلَتِ امْرَأَةٌ أُمَّ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ عَائِشَ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهَا وَقَالَتْ مَا بَالُ الْحَائِضِ تَقْضِ الصَّيَامُ وَلَا تَقْضِ الصَّلَاةِ And that's why when a woman came to Aisha رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهَا and asked her, how is it or why is it that the woman on the period has to make up the fasts afterwards, but she doesn't have to make up the prayer. قَالَتْ لَهَا أُمُّ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهَا عَائِشَ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهَا سَدْتُهَا أَحَرُورِيَّ أَنْتِ يَعَنِي مِنَ الْخَوَارِجِ She says, are you from the خَوَارِجِ فَالْخَوَارِجِ يُقَالُ لَهُمَ الْحَرُورِ نِسْبَةً إِلَى الْحَرُورِ اسم مكان في العراق تجمع فيه الخوارج لأنهم هم الذين يسألون مثل هذه الأسئلة المتكلفة the reason why Aisha radiallahu anha said to her, are you a haruri? Are you from the khawarij? It's because it is the khawarij who used to ask 
these burdensome types of questions. The religion has said you don't have to make up the prayer. The khawarij though, they come with these heavy types of questions. But why? Why don't you have to make up the prayer? The religion has said you don't have to make up the prayer. But the khawarij they come and they want to put this difficulty on themselves and they begin to ask these types of things. Why do you not have to make up the prayer? So the khawarij they place difficulty and burden. That's why when they say anybody who commits a sin, they say that's it, hellfire. Iman is all gone. So that's why Aisha said, are you from the khawarij? Asking this type of question. قالت ولكني أسأل فقالت لها كنا نؤمر بقضاء الصيام. She says, okay, rather the response is that we used to be commanded to make up the fasting دون قضاء الصلاة, but we didn't used to be commanded to make up the prayer. فالمسألة مسألة اتباع واقتداء وما هي مسألة عقل وإنما أمرت بقضاء الصيام دون الصلاة تخفيفا من الله عز وجل. So this is a matter. This is a matter which is linked to the religion and the rulings. That is the revelation, that is the sunnah, that is the ruling. The woman makes up the, uh, the uh, fast, and she doesn't make up the prayer. That is the way the religion is. And our religion is built upon following. Following the Qur'an and the sunnah and the revelation as it is, not about your intelligence and intellect. For somebody to say, well, the fasting we have to make it up, why not the prayer then? Why don't we make that up? And start questioning that and going into details and discussions. Our religion... We follow the rulings and the revelations. And the rulings and the revelations have come to us that here, you make up the fast and you don't make up the prayer. That is the way the sunnah is. Just like uh, Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu anhu said, when he kissed the black stone, إِنِّي لَأَعْلَمُ أَنَّكَ حَجَرٌ لَا تَضُرُّ وَلَا تَنْفَعُ وَلَوْ لَا أَنِّي رَأَيْتُ رَسُولَ اللَّهِ صلى الله عليه وسلم يُقَبِّلُكْ مَا قَبَّلْتُكَ He said, I know that you're just a stone, the black stone. You can't give me any benefit, you can't harm me. And was it not for the fact that I saw the Prophet ﷺ kissing you, I wouldn't have kissed you. Meaning the only reason I'm coming and kissing you, because I know it's a sunnah. I know this is the sunnah, this is the revelation, this is what we've been taught to do. And that's why I'm doing it. Not because I have some aqidah that you can benefit or remove harm. So it's about following the sunnah. And that's what the revelation tells us here. That the woman leaves the prayer and leaves the fast whilst on the period, whilst on the postnatal bleeding, and then afterwards only has to make up the fasts, does not have to make up the prayers. Then it says, وَعَنْ عَائِشَةَ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهَا قَالَتْ لَمَّا جِئْنَا صَرِفَ حِظْتُ فَقَالَ النَّبِيُّ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمُ افْعَلِي مَا يَفْعَلُ الْحَاجِ غَيْرَ أَن لَا تَطُوفِي بِالْبَيْتِ حَتَّى تَطْهُرِي مُتَّفَقٌ عَلَيْهِ فِي حَدِيثٍ This is the hadith of Aisha radiallahu anha. She mentions that when we came to Sarif, which is the name of a place, that the period came upon me. So the Prophet wasallam said, and they were going towards the Kaaba. He said, do everything that the normal person doing hajj would do. Do as the normal person of hajj would do. Do as the normal pilgrim would do, except do not make the tawaf around the Kaaba until you become pure from your period. Everything else do. Do everything else, but do not make the tawaf until you become pure from the period. And that is a lengthy hadith, but this is one section of it. Regarding 
the Hajj of the Prophet So in the Hadith, Aisha radiallahu anha says that when we came to Sarif, Sarif is the name of a valley close to Mecca. It's a valley close to Mecca. Ismu Wadin Qareeb min Mecca. Ala Tariq al Madina. It's a, a name of a valley close to Mecca on the pathway uh, uh, from Medina. She says, when we got to that place, Hithtu, that Asabaha al Hayl, the period came upon her. Wakanat Muhrima, Ma'anim Sasalim, Mindil Halifa, Mindil Hulayfa. And she was at that time in a state of Ihram. She was in a state of ihram to go and do the hajj. So when they came to this area with the Prophet ﷺ, they were all going to make hajj, they came to sarif, then the period came upon her. Mutamatti'atan bi umra ka gayriha min as-sahaba wa asabah al-hayl fi hadha al-makan wa hiya muhrima. Fadakhala alayhi nabi sallam wa hiya tabki. So it's mentioned that when they came to this place and she was in that state of ihram wanting to do hajj, just like the other companions, when they came to this place, the period came upon her. And so she was crying. And so the Prophet ﷺ came and discovered this, that she was crying. Why? Because she wanted to continue. She wanted to continue and finish that pilgrimage and finish the rites of Hajj. And she thought that this period would ruin her ihram, that she wouldn't be able to do the hajj anymore. That's what she considered. And so she was crying upon that. So the Prophet said to her, actually, هَذَا شَيْءٌ قَدْ كَتَبَهُ اللَّهُ عَلَى بَنَاتِ آدَمِ افْعَلِ مَا يَفْعَلُ الْحَاجِ غَيْرَ أَنْ لَا تَضُوفِ بِالْبَيْتِ حَتَّى تَذْهُرِي But then the Prophet said to her, this is something that Allah has prescribed upon the daughters of Adam. This is something that Allah has prescribed upon the daughters of Adam, upon the women, the females, this period that overcomes them. So do as the normal pilgrim would do. Do as the rest of them are going to do in their hajj. Except for the tawaf. Do not do the tawaf around the house until you become pure. And in one narration it mentions also do not pray. Do not pray and do not do the tawaf until you finish the period and become pure. Other than that, do as the pilgrim normally does. Do as the normal person doing hajj does. فَأَخْبَرَهَا النَّبِيُّ صلى الله عليه وسلم أَنَّ الْحَيْضَ لَا يَمْنَعْهَا مِنَ فِي نُسُكِهَا So the Prophet explained to her that the period is not something that prevents her from continuing with the hajj. It's not something which prevents her from continuing with the hajj. And it's not something that uh, uh, finishes her ihram. It's not something that finishes her state of ihram. وَأَنَّهَا تَفْعَلُ مَا يَفْعَلُ الْحُجَّاجِ مِنَ الْمَنَاسِكِ مِنَ الْوَقُوفِ بِعَرَفَةِ وَالْمَبِيتِ بِمُزْدَلِفَةِ وَرَمِيَ الْجِمَارِ وَالْمَبِيتِ بِمِنَةِ إِلَّا الطَّوَافِ بِالْبَيْتِ فَإِنَّهَا تَمْتَنِعُ مِنْهُ حَتَّى تَطْهُرْ مِنْهُ وَتَغْتَسِلْ So the Prophet ﷺ said to her, you can continue and do the remainder of the hajj. Do as the hujjaj would normally do. So for example, you can go and do the arafah. Stand in arafah. Go and stay the night in Muzdalifah. Do the stoning. Stay the nights in Mina. Do all of those things. All of those that the hujjaj, the people upon hajj would normally do, then it's permissible for that woman to continue to do those things. Except that she is not allowed to pray, and she is not allowed to do the tawaf until the period finishes. 
and she becomes pure. From this hadith then, what are the benefits we can take then? As Shaykh Al-Fawzan, Hafizahullah Ta'ala says, Al-Mas'alatu Al-Ula Annahu la yushtaratu al-taharatu lil-ihram Fayasihu an yuhrima al-insana wa huwa ala ghayri tahara Walakin al-afdal an yakuna ala tahara in amkana وَأَنْ يَكُونَ بَعَدَ صَلَاةٍ فَإِنْ أَحْرَمَ وَهُوَ عَلَى غَيْرِ طَهَارَ صَحَّ إِحْرَامُ فَقَدْ وَلَدَتْ أَسْمَاءُ وَلِدَتْ أَسْمَاءُ بِنْتُ عُمَيْسِ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهَا فِي الْمِيقَاتِ وَهِيَ مَعَ النَّبِيِّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ فَأَمَرَهَا أَنْ تَسْتَفِرْ بِثَوْبٍ وَأَنْ تُحْرِمْ وَهِيَ نُفَسَاءُ فَدَلَّ عَلَىٰ أَنَّ عَقْدَ الْإِحْرَامِ لَا تُشْتَرَطُ لَهُ الطَّهَارَ وَأَنَّهُ يَجُوزُ لِمَنْ عَلَيْهِ حَدَثٍ أَصْغَرْ حَدَثٌ أَصْغَرْ أَوْ حَدَثٌ أَكْبَرْ أَنْ يُحْرِمْ وَيَنْعَقِدُ إِحْرَامُهُ بِذَلِكِ The first point that the Shaykh mentions is that these evidences here now indicate that it is not a condition for a person to have to be upon purity, meaning to have to be upon wudu, or to have to be upon purity, to go into a state of ihram. When you go to the miqat, and you're going to start your ihram now, you're going to make your intention and start the ihram, you don't have to, as a condition, be upon purity. Even though the shaykh says, clearly that is better. Clearly it is better that you should be upon purity, upon wudu, be upon that cleanliness and purity when starting the ihram, that is clearly better. However, if a person, due to whatever circumstance, ended up making the ihram and starting it from the miqat, whilst not upon a state of purity, the ihram would be considered as correct. The ihram would be considered as correct. And there's an example of Asma bint Umais, Radiallahu ta'ala anha that she gave birth at the miqat. She gave birth at the miqat. And so the Prophet ﷺ told her to, uh, to arrange her clothes so that there isn't any blood, etc., to get the clothes to be correct. And after that, she can continue. So she was upon a state of postnatal bleeding, and yet she was able to continue in the ihram. So it doesn't necessitate to be upon purity to ihram for the ihram to start, and to be in a state of ihram. However, clearly the shaykh says, al-afdal an yakuna ala tahara. What's better, no doubt, is that you are upon purification. But the ruling is that if you weren't, the ihram would be correct. Al-mas'alatu thaniya, yadullu al-hadithu ala anna al-ha'idha tu'addi al-manasika siwa al-tawaf, wa hiya ala ghayri tahara, wa kathalika ghayruha. فَلَا تُشْتَرَطُ الطَّهَارَةُ لِلْمُحْدِثِ لِلْوُقُوفِ بِعَرَفَةِ أو الْمَبِيتُ بِمُزْدَلِفَةِ أو لِرَمِيَ الْجِمَارِ أو لِلْمَبِيتِ فِي مِنَى بَلْ يَجُوزُ لِلْإِنسَانِ أَنْ يُؤَدِّيَهَا وَهُوَ عَلَى غَيْرِ طَهَارَةِ The second issue is that it is permissible for a woman upon her period to perform the rites of hajj. A woman who is upon the period can perform the rites of hajj. Other than as we mentioned the tawaf, and clearly the prayer as we've already mentioned. The prayer and the tawaf in those days is not allowed until the woman finishes her period, 
and becomes pure, makes the ghusl. But other than that, staying in Arafah, staying the night in Muzdalifah, doing the stoning, staying in Mina, all of these things are permissible for a person, male or female, to do them without necessarily being upon a state of purification, upon a state of wudu, etc. It's allowed, it is allowed. But no doubt, as we mentioned before, it is far better that a person finds him state finds himself in a state of purity. Just as the Prophet ﷺ would love to always be upon a state of purity. That is far better, no doubt. But if a person, his wudu broke, and he was doing one of those things in Arafah, or staying in Muzdalifah, or uh, stoning, then that would still be correct. Al-Mas'alatu Thalitha Fihi dalilun ala man'i al-ha'idhi min al-tawaf bil-bayti hatta tathur Tawaf al-qudum wal-ifadah لحج there is an evidence here, as we mentioned in the hadith, that the woman who is on the period is not allowed to make the tawaf. Tawaf al-qudum, the initial tawaf that you do when you arrive, the initial tawaf, the tawaf of arrival, when you get there, or the tawaf al-ifadah. The one that is done in the middle of the rites of the Hajj, normally on the 10th day, that middle tawaf of a father, and also the initial tawaf of arriving, neither of those are to be done by the woman until she is pure. As for tawaf al-wida'ah, the farewell tawaf that is done at the end, then that is dropped. That does not have to be performed Due to the narration of Aisha radiallahu anha that Safiya when she became on a state of the period after she had finished the rest of her hajj, it was mentioned to her that as long as she had done the ifadah, the other tawaf, she did not have to do the farewell tawaf. So a woman does not have to do the farewell tawaf if she is on the period. Uh, and as for the others, she is not allowed to do them until she is pure and then she does them. وَكَذَلِكَ فِي حَدِيثِ ابْنِ عَبَّاسِ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ تَعَالَ عَنْهُمَا أُمِرُوا أَنْ يَكُونَ آخِرَ عَهْدِهِمْ بِالْبَيْتِ الطَّوَافِ إِلَّا أَنَّهُ خُفِّفَ عَنِ الْمَرْأَةِ الْحَائِضِ أَمَّا طَوَافُ الْإِفَاضَ فَإِنَّهَا تَنْتَظِرُ حَتَّى تَظْهُرْ فَإِذَا طَهُرَتْ فَإِنَّهَا تُؤَدِّيهِ that they were commanded to make the last thing they do, the tawaf al-wida'ah, the farewell tawaf. Make that the last thing you do, your farewell tawaf, and then leave Mecca. That's why the scholars say it's not befitting for a person to finish hajj, and then do the tawaf of the farewell, the wida'ah, and then stay in Mecca. Do the tawaf of wida'ah, which is known as the tawaf of farewell. And then after that, leave instantly. This is what the scholars they mention. And in this hadith it's mentioned the same thing. Except for a woman who is on the period it says, for indeed she does not have to do that tawaf 
but the tawaf of ifada, that other tawaf in the middle of the rites of the hajj, she can't do it while she's on the period, but she has to wait. When her period finishes and she makes the ghusl, then she has to do that one. That is a must, it must be done for the part of the hajj. But she can't do it until the period finishes. Al-Mas'alatu al-Rabi'a fi al-Hadithi dalilun ala ashtirat. And those issues of hajj, insha'Allah ta'ala, when we get to the section of hajj, we'll explain those. When we get to the section of hajj, insha'Allah ta'ala, we'll explain those issues. Fi al-Hadithi dalilun ala ishtirat al-Tahara al-Tawaf. The hadith would therefore indicate that there is a condition for tawaf, and that is that you must be upon a state of purity. Because the hadith says, a woman cannot do the tawaf if she's not upon purity. So the hadith indicates that you must be upon purity to do the tawaf, and that is the statement of the majority of the scholars. Jumhur ahl al-ilm. So that indicates that it's a condition for the tawaf to be correct and accepted that you are upon a state of purity. المسألة الخامسة في الحديث دليل على أن الحائض لا تدخل المسجد لأنه إذا منعت من الطواف فيلزم من هذا منعها منعها من دخول المسجد وقد جاء في هذا حديث آخر وهو قوله صلى الله عليه وسلم إني لا أحل المسجد لحائض ولا جنوب أخرجه أبو داود وقد قال تعالى يا أيها الذين آمنوا لا تقربوا الصلاة وأنتم سكارى حتى تعلموا ما تقولون ولا جنوبا إلا عابري سبيل والمراد مكان الصلاة وهو المسجد فلا يجوز دخوله لمن عليه حدث أكبر إلا العابر الذي يمر ويخرج أما الذي يريد الجلوس وهو على حدث أكبر من جناب حيث أو نفاس فإنه لا يجوز له أن يجلس في المسجد This is the next issue the Sheikh mentions and it is an issue that is in reality differed about and that is the issue a woman who is upon her period is she allowed to go and sit in the masjid? We know that she's not allowed to pray. But is a woman who is on the period allowed to go and sit in the masjid? For example, there's a lesson going on like this. Is she allowed to come and attend and sit in the masjid for the sake of the lesson? Is that permissible or not? So some of the scholars, they take the opinion that it is impermissible for a woman to go and sit in the masjid if she's on her period. Some scholars take this opinion. That is one statement. That it is impermissible for a woman to go to the masjid and stay there to attend a lesson or whatever it might be if she is on her period. And some of the scholars use this hadith as an evidence. Because the Prophet said to Aisha radiallahu anha, don't make the tawaf. It's not permissible to make the tawaf whilst you're on your period. So some of the scholars say that's an indication that it wasn't allowed for her to go to the masjid because the tawaf is made in the masjid. That's where you make the tawaf. So some of the scholars said if she wasn't allowed to make the tawaf, that would therefore indicate she wasn't allowed to go to the masjid. Other scholars say, however, that can't really be proven. How can you say that if she wasn't allowed to make the tawaf, that's a proof she wasn't allowed to go to the masjid? They say there's no necessitation of that. She wasn't allowed to make the tawaf, but she could have gone and sat in the masjid. There's no indication that that wasn't allowed. Tawaf is one thing, sitting in the masjid is another. 
So some of the scholars like Shaykh al-Albani say, it doesn't really have to indicate that. So there's a difference of opinion on that. Some of the scholars also use the hadith of the Prophet Sallallahu I do not make it permissible, the masjid, I do not make the masjid permissible for somebody who is upon menstruation, the period, or somebody who is upon impurity, janaba. The hadith is clear. However, other scholars have said that the hadith is weak. And therefore they still take the position that actually it's allowed. Some scholars say this hadith is weak, but others may consider it to be authentic. And also the ones who use the evidence of the Qur'an, that the people who are impure are not allowed to go to the masjid. The ayah in Surah An-Nisa, ayah number 43. So these are some of the evidences used to say that a woman is not allowed to sit in the masjid if she's on the period. But some scholars like Shaykh al-Bani and others have said there isn't actually any direct authentic proof they say that a woman can't. There's an example of a hadith where the Prophet ﷺ said to Aisha radiallahu anha, pass me something from the masjid. Aisha radiallahu anha said, I'm on the period. The Prophet ﷺ said, Inna haydataki laysat biyadiki. Your period is not something you control. And that was the hadith that we covered previously. Here, Shaykh al-Bani gave that as an example to say that she was allowed to go to the masjid still. To pick up that thing that the Prophet ﷺ needed even though she was upon a period. So some of the scholars they say it is permissible for a woman to go and sit in the masjid for a lesson for example. Even if she's on the period. As long as she is wearing adequate covering to make sure that no blood will exit. And some of the scholars like Sheikh Bin Baz, Sheikh Al-Fawzan. They take the opinion that no it is not allowed. Except for a woman who is just passing through. So that's an issue where it's differed about. Allah Ta'ala A'lam. Uh, what the correct position is but Shaykh al-Albani and the evidences he uses they seem to indicate that perhaps it is allowed for a woman to go to the masjid as long as the uh, area is covered adequately and there is no uh, possibility of any blood exiting or any impurity exiting the next hadith after that معاذ بن جبل رضي الله عنه أنه سأل النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم ما يحل للرجل من امرأته وهي حائض قال ما فوق الإزار الحديث معاذ بن جبل رضي الله عنه he says I asked the Prophet what's allowed for a man with regards to the woman who is upon the period so the Prophet said whatever is above the izar i.e. whatever is above the Middle part of the body. Below the waist, no. Above the waist, yes. And this is a narration of Abu Dawood, and it's actually weak. However, the meaning of it is, ma al-izar, yani ma surra wa rukba. That which is between the knee and the navel. The navel, the belly button and the knee. That which is above the belly button, then this hadith indicates it's permissible. Touching and contact is permissible on that area above the Belly button, above the navel. That is permissible for the contact and for the physical uh, 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 contact between the man and the woman, even if the woman is on the period. As for that which is between the navel and the knee, then that is impermissible to touch or to have contact due to this narration and due to the fact that the Prophet ﷺ would command Aisha radiallahu anha to wear something between the navel and the knee, to wear some clothing. And that's uh, also indicated in the hadith, Isna'u kulla shayin illa nikah. Do everything except for the intercourse. 
So all of these indicate that that area is something that is not permissible between the navel and the knee. And other than that, then it is permissible even if the woman is on the period. The final hadith then. عن أم سلمة رضي الله عنها قالت كانت النفساء تقعد في عهد رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم بعد نفاسها أربعين يوما وفي لفظ له يعني لأبي داود ولم يأمرها النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم بقضاء صلاة النفاس This hadith of Um Salama رضي الله عنها says that the postnatal bleeding women the woman who had given birth then in the time of the Prophet ﷺ, they would typically stay in that state for 40 days after giving birth. فَهَذَا الْحَدِيثِ فِي مَوْضُوعِ النِّفَاسِ So this hadith is talking about the postnatal bleeding. The postnatal bleeding, the postpartum bleeding. وَلِهَذَا يَقُولُ الْفُقَهَاءَ أَنَّ مَا لَا نَفْسَ لَهُ سَائِلَ لَا يُؤَثِّرْ فِي الْمَاءِ إِذَا مَاتَ فِيهِ يَعْنِ مَا لَيْسَ لَهُ دَمْ uh, this is uh, linked to the blood and the types of blood. But the point here being that postpartum bleeding. Uh, and the issues that are linked to that then, firstly, الْإِحْتِجَاجُ بِمَا يُفْعَلُ فِي أَحَدِ النَّفْسَ سَلَّمُ وَأَنَّهُ إِقْرَارُ مِنْهُ سَلَّمُ وَلَهُ حُكْمُ الْمَرْفُوعُ Here, this was something that used to occur at the time of the Prophet ﷺ when he was alive. That the women would stop their prayers and their fasting for 40 days after giving birth. That's a proof that this was approved by the Prophet ﷺ because it happened during his lifetime. It happened during his lifetime. If it was wrong, the revelation would have come down saying it's wrong. So the revelation didn't come down. That shows acknowledgement of the correctness of that. Also, There is a proof that the postpartum, the postnatal bleeding women, they also leave their prayer and their fasting. تَبَيَّنَ فِيهِ خَلْقُ الْإِنسَانِ بِأَنْ يَكُونَ قَدْ وَضَحَتْ أَعْضَاؤُهُ فَإِنْ أَلْقَتْ مُضْغَ لَيْسَ فِيهَا تَخْلِيقٌ فَإِنَّهَا لَا تُعْتَبُرُ نُفَسَاءُ وَمَا يَأْتِيهَا مِنْ الدَّمْ يُعْتَبُرُ دَمْ فَسَادُ وَنَزِيفُ لَا تَدْعُ مِنْ أَجْلِهِ الصَّلَاةُ وَالصِّيَامُ وَالْفُقَهَاءُ يَقُولُونَ إِنَّ أَقَلَّ مُدَّةٍ يُتَبَيَّنُ فِيهَا خَلْقُ الْإِنسَانِ عِنْدَمَا يَدْخُلُ فِي الْأَرْبَعِينَ الثَّالِثَةَ so then the shaykh says, the woman who has given birth and is in that postnatal bleeding, then she can leave the prayer and she can leave the fasting. However, if a woman gave birth premature, a woman gave birth premature, then you have to look at the situation. Maybe sometimes it might be a miscarriage. A woman has a miscarriage and people will ask about this. A woman has a miscarriage. Then after the miscarriage, there's some bleeding. Is that also postnatal bleeding? The woman doesn't pray and she doesn't fast. The sheikh says you have to look at the actual timing. That miscarriage, did it occur at a stage where when the baby came out in that miscarriage, it looked like a human, it had the features, it had the features or didn't it? If that miscarriage or that birth maybe very early on occurred at a time whereby the features were not apparent, it was more like a piece of flesh yet. It wasn't like the feature of a baby yet. Meaning, typically, it was before 80 days. If the miscarriage occurred before 80 days into the pregnancy, 
That's approximately just before three months. If the miscarriage occurs prior to that, within two and a half months or three months of becoming pregnant, then the Shaykh says, it is not postnatal bleeding. If that miscarriage occurs within two and a half months of conception, that is considered a miscarriage. And the woman, if she bleeds afterwards, it is just uh, blood of that miscarriage. She continues praying, cleans herself and prays. That isn't the postnatal bleeding. Uh, but the Sheikh says, due to the narration which says that the baby when it's born, in the first 40 days it's a liquid. Then the next 40 days it's like a piece of blood, a blood clot. Then the next 40 days it becomes like the flesh. The Sheikh says the first 40 is like liquid, the second 40 is like the uh, blood clot. There the formation, the Features haven't started yet. The third set of 40 days is where the features begin. When you've gone into that section, after approximately 80 days, that's when the features begin. After the 80 days, that's when the body parts start to appear properly. Uh, so when the 40 days of that are finished, so then the four months have been done, 40 and 40 and 40, 120 days, that's when the angel is sent. And so that's when, if uh, the birth occurred after that time, and if it was a miscarriage, you could consider it to be postnatal. But otherwise, no. ولا يجوز لها اللبث في المسجد ولا يجوز لها قراءة القرآن ولا مص المصحف ولا يجوز لزوجها أن يطلقها وهي نفساء فهي في الأحكام مثل الحائط تماما A woman who is in the postnatal bleeding is exactly like the woman on the period in terms of the rulings So she doesn't pray and she doesn't fast And it's not permissible for the husband to have intercourse But it is permissible to have other types of contact Not between the navel and the knee though Just like the woman on the period and it's not permissible for the woman to sit in the masjid who's in postnatal bleeding. Uh, and it's not permissible for her to recite the Qur'an and to touch the mushaf. And it's not permissible for the husband to uh, divorce his wife whilst she's in that time, just like all the rulings of the uh, woman on the period. There's an evidence here that the maximum time you can have postnatal bleeding for is 40 days. فَإِذَا أَتَمَّتْ الْأَرْبَعِينَ فَإِنَّهُ يَجِبُ عَلِيهَ الْإِغْتِسَالُ وَلَوْ لَمْ يَنْقَطِعْ عَنْهَا الدَّمْ عند جمهور أهل العلم After 40 days, if the postnatal bleeding is still carrying on, it doesn't matter. After 40 days, you make the ghusl and you start to pray and fast. You make the ghusl and you begin to pray and fast. That's obligatory upon you now, even if the bleeding hasn't stopped. And if the bleeding stops before the 40 days finishes, okay, then you start making ghusl and start fasting and praying again. Doesn't mean you have to carry on to 40 days if it's already stopped. If it stops, it stops before that. But if it doesn't, you continue to 40. And if it continues after that, it's irrelevant. You make a ghusl after that and begin to do your obligations. Uh, if the bleeding stops before 40 days, maybe after 30 days the bleeding stops, 
So the woman makes ghusl and she starts praying. But then maybe a couple of days later the blood comes back. So the shaykh says that is to be considered as postnatal bleeding again. Stop again. Maybe the, it stopped for a while and the woman thought it stopped. So she made the ghusl and started praying. But then it comes back, okay. It comes back and you're still within the 40 days yet. 32nd or 33rd day. Then consider that to be postnatal and go back to that. Uh, and stop your prayer etc. until the 40 days. And then after that, uh, you make the ghusl and begin to fast and pray once again. And that is the end of the chapter of menstruation. That is the majority of the issues that are covered. But like we said, inshallah, before we move on to the next section or the next book, then we will do a small question and answer session where we just bring some of the fatawa of the scholars to make sure that we've covered all of the various aspects or the majority of the various types of issues that women will ask about. And in fact, there's a book in English as well. There's a book in English for those who don't speak Arabic by Sheikh Muhammad bin Salih al-Uthaymeen, which is a book just full of questions and answers on menstruation. So the women should get a book like that, which clarifies all those issues. But inshallah, we'll mention some as well. Hopefully, if we get a chance, we'll try and do that too. And otherwise, then we'll begin with the next book, uh, the next section, next time, insha'Allah ta'ala. Wa sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in.